When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. From Learfield in the south end zone of Kyle Field, this is Studio 12. And the fight Texas Aggies take down the top-ranked Tide. Just tomahawk it home! Olsen magic does it live on at the ready and nighting of the rivalry. 15 strikeouts. What a performance. On the Texas A&M Sports Network, this is Studio 12. And we welcome you on in, south end zone of Kyle Field. Will Johnson, Tyler Pig with you on this edition of Studio 12, taking you into the weekend. And quite a weekend it's shaping up to be because it got off to the Thursday start. You know, sometimes that happens in the spring. You get a Thursday start to the weekend, essentially. And really, we we got the weekend started with a bang for two reasons. Uh, the NFL draft got underway in Las Vegas. And Aggie baseball got their series underway in Nashville against Vanderbilt. And by the time we woke up Friday, uh, we had double good news on Thursday. Yeah, really good news. So we were excited about getting this weekend rolling, considering the way we started it. First, uh We'll talk football. I mean, we are right inside Kyle Field yeah, here. Yeah, might as well. So, yeah, I always like to say we're in the south end zone. 
very close to the action. We need a window on this back wall, though, so if anybody's getting a workout in, we can check it out or something We could like sell that. it yeah. on game days, a little premium <laughs> yeah. area. I am forgetting if we had a window in here, it would just look uh, at the underside. <laughs> just yeah. the, just we actually under, wouldn't see the field. It the would just underlings. be a dark pit in the backside of the bleachers. So uh, nicks the window idea. But Aggie football, a lot of them hopeful when it comes to the NFL draft. Uh, but one of them saw his dream realized yesterday, TP. Kenyon Green goes 15th overall, and the humble Atascacita kid yep. is going to stay right there near his home and play for the Houston Texans. Yeah, I thought it was actually, and I'm not going to shame the Texans uh, as former <laughs> uh, citizen of Houston, but the, <laughs> the Texans don't always make the right move, and they made the right move. And yeah. the guy Kenyon Green and who um, – I think he's a day one starter at left or right guard for him. He fits. Uh, I think what they want to do offensively with a young quarterback and Davis Mills and some really good skill players they've been able to keep around. And I mean, it, you know, for a guy that was prided himself on being from the Houston area and what he did at Atascacita and then to play here for three years and become a consensus All-American and be able to stay home, I think it's a really big deal. I thought the Texans had a really good draft. They got Derek Stingley, who we didn't see this year because he didn't play mm-hmm. at much at LSU because of an injury. I thought they had a really good draft and get those two guys in the top 15 was awesome. And, and to see Kenyon get, be inside the top 15 uh, was kind of a surprise. I kind of had pegged him around 20, maybe 18 to the uh, Titans when they were going to trade up. There could have been a spot, 20 to the Steelers, 22 to Green Bay, uh, even 24 to the Cowboys. But the Texans slide up there to get him at 15. And like I said, he's a, I think he's a day one starter for Levy Smith's team and, and can be a really good – he's going to have a really good long career because of how he can play and what they do offensively from a zone-based or a man-based blocking scheme up front. So um, this was really cool to see. We, we were able to send uh, Brendan Bombaren, one of our 12th man production students, down there to capture all that video-wise from a packed house in Humble and really just need to see Kenny get that call from the Texans yeah, and get to experience that. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. I, I thought – First round, yes. I didn't quite think it'd be as high as 15th. My thought was in the 20s. But if you watch Kenyon Green play, any scout, any GM, any coach that watched him play, you're impressed. You know what he can do. You see the versatility. He goes against SEC defensive linemen, and he Mm -hmm. more than holds his own. He's just fine in that situation. And then I I think he can solidify any first-round thoughts you have of him in a combine-slash-pro-day setting. I mean, he's that kind of guy. You, you get to talk to him. You know about. You, you'll find out about the work ethic, high character. So he can solidify first round. But I was the same thing. I thought, okay, it, it's a first round that's in the mid twenties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's twenty two. It's twenty six. I mean, if it if it did have thirty, thirty one, thirty two, take in it. front of it on that first round, I, that's possible. Yep. But you're kind of overjoyed when you see fifteenth. I mean, he he goes in the first half of the first round. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, you're excited for him that he gets to play pro football right there at home, essentially. And we were kind of laughing before the show because we were going through the first round. It's not quite like Kenny Pickett, who just <laughs> – I mean, does Kenny Pickett even move lockers? I hope he doesn't move apartments. I mean, maybe he upgrades yeah. the condo. But, I mean, you know, the, when you the, play for the Pitt Panthers and then transition to the Pittsburgh Steelers, you don't really change except for the colors on the – You just go through a different like door is what it looks like. Yeah. I mean, their, their training facilities are conjoined, so the Pitt facility is on the right and the Steelers facility is on the left. I mean, maybe he just gets a new parking spot. But, uh, you know, I kind of thought that was a – 
that's kind of where my first thought Kenyon would go. And then originally when they uh, Steelers went there, I think it's a good pick. The only quarterback taken in the draft. Can you imagine? I think the first time since like 1991 that the uh, there was only just one quarterback picked and. Mm-hmm. Kind of an interesting move there. But overall night, a really good night for the league. 12 SEC players picked, five from Georgia off their defense. and um, We saw some of these players that were went, you know, the two from Alabama and Jamison Williams, Evan Neal, um, uh, Charles Cross that from uh, it's from Mississippi State, their left tackle, who, who really held up well against the Aggies here, obviously, and Kyle Field, some really good players off the board. and um, But like I said, Kenyon solidified himself. I, and probably through the interview process with those teams that he met with, not, you're not going to find anybody that's you know, more eloquent in how they speak than Kenyon Green about what he's experienced here, but what he wants to do in the NFL. Yeah, and uh, we were also talking before we came on, uh, the two Aggie head coaches. Uh, they had a good draft yeah. first round. Dan Campbell goes and gets the Michigan guy, and he yep. also gets Jamison Williams. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, is he got it number two. He gets Jamison Williams from Alabama, and then then a Dennis Allen yep. in New Orleans. He went and got Chris Olave from yep. Ohio Man, State. Man, the run so. on the wide receivers, it happened again. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how that's mm-hmm. happened the last couple of years. It used to be QBs running backs. Now it's wide receivers and how that position's changed. Yeah. But, yeah, I really thought the Lions had a really good draft and wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, jump up to – Maybe get Malik Willis here, who's still available, quarterback. But I thought the Dan Campbell and the crew in Detroit had a really good draft. I think Aiden Hutchinson, being a hometown guy, slides in really weird of what they want to do defensively. And then, you know, you get some really good skill guys in Jamison Williams, who, you know, he may be like a red shirt because of the ACL injury. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but how different Alabama's offense was with him when he was on the field. It's kind of the playmaker he was. And the other crazy part, I forgot about this, Jamison Williams – Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson all on the field at the same time together hmm. at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good three. My God. <laughs> Defend that. Yeah. Two guys who are sub 4-4 out on the outside, and Chris Olave, who's probably one of the best, you know, big game polished route runners that was in the draft, and that's who and that's who those guys – that's who Justin Fields was thrown to a yeah. couple years ago. And when you're the Aggies or anybody in the SEC West and you take on Alabama, obviously A&M got the victory last year, and they'll try to go to Tuscaloosa and go get it this next season. But when you face Alabama and guys like Jamison Williams, I've always said it, third and eight, third and nine, third and ten or eleven has never mattered to Alabama. No. And they got guys that can just run by you. Yep. Or they, or they can go 15 yards downfield and get open. I mean, they, they're so fast. They're so good at the receiver position. You don't make them uncomfortable in third and long. No. And that, that's a game changer when you have the Jamison Williams, Devontae Smiths, Jerry Judys of the world. Yeah, and, um, Jalen Waddle. I mean, you yeah, name Jaylen it. Waddell, I mean, it's just, you know, the, what they've been able to do offensively. And it started all the way back with Amari Cooper. Go, go back yeah. to him. Julio I mean, Jones. Julio Jones. I mean, I mean, they got those guys they can throw to. And you can get them behind the chains, and they really don't care. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things you fight with Alabama. And now you beat Alabama last year, and they had those playmakers. You're going to face them this year in October in Tuscaloosa, and that's always a key to Alabama. Can they continue to find those playmakers to make third and long almost insignificant? Yeah, for sure. That's what you fight when the Aggies and and, and, uh, any team in the SEC West, or if you're on their schedule, Oh, and Texas has to fight it this year. They do. Because Alabama's going to go Yeah, I heard Austin, some talk about so. that on the way in today. It'll be interesting to see what that uh, what that Alabama team looks like against that Texas team who didn't have a first-round pick again. So Again. <laughs> yeah, again. So, uh, you know, I think it'll be interesting. As we go to tonight, second round starts tonight. Yeah. I think three guys you can kind of look at, two for sure that I feel like will come off the board is DeMarvin Leal 
and Isaiah Spiller. Now, I think you know Marv was really penciled in as a first-round pick last year, kind of more of a second, third round with a lot of the mock drafts. I think Marv's a steal if he yeah. does get to the third round. I, I would so. be surprised if he's there. I think there's some teams who do have picks in the second round, like the Browns, like the Packers, like the Texans, who need some upfront presence, a guy who can play inside and out. Um, and when we talked about this on Wednesday, the versatility that Marv has, he can play in some different uh, different brands of football, whether it's a 3-4 base or a 4-3 base. I think he's got a lot of ability, and we saw him do that here all year long, or really over the last two years. And then Spiller, I think there's a lot of room for Isaiah Spiller because it's not a super deep running back class the, and we talked about this position is just kind of it is what it is yeah. it was a running back pick in the first round right uh that's not an anomaly anymore mm-hmm. and uh, but i think there's some really good spots where isaiah could fall uh, selfishly the falcons fan of the room would like to see him land in atlanta <laughs> uh, the falcons could use him similar kind of to somebody jimbo fisher coached at florida state a Devontae freeman type guy is really good out of the backfield quick elusive hits the hole hard um you know and i think somebody like the saints the buccaneers really anybody in the nfc south that's kind of where some tabs have been put, put on uh, spiller as well as the texans and the cowboys so um would like to see him kind of fall somewhere in those spots and uh, and then michael clemens is kind of the wild card i've seen michael up into the third round late second we talked about it wednesday that guy is just a specimen and somebody's going to pick him and fall immediately in love with what he can do um on is that what he's done on tape especially against auburn and lsu to close the you know the 2021 season mm-hmm. and when you're in a war room tonight and you're mulling over guys like demarvin leal uh, isaiah spiller for isaiah i think his game translates well to the nfl because he can handle contact yeah. he did it against the rugged sec for years here and then you know there were seasons he led the nation in yards after contact so he can handle contact he's not afraid to go between the tackles we talked on wednesday how he's improved as a pass catcher and he blocks blocks really well it's almost if you have a checklist for a running back all the boxes are there uh, with isaiah spiller and then to marvin leal and i've heard it said about him and and when you watch him play it really rings true what scheme does he go to yep if you put him inside he's a nightmare on a guard because he's faster than him if you put him outside He's a nightmare on a tackle because he's more powerful. Yep. So I would think if you're looking at that in a war room with those guys, you're saying, look, we got to get these guys. And I, I just, and I think almost you use the label steal with both of them. And if they're going to – well, if, if, if they're going in the third round, I'm using steal for both of them. Yeah, but agreed. Maybe they bump up. Maybe they get a little higher. Yeah, I'm checking uh, – Dame Brugler is kind of a guy I really like to follow from the athletic. He does a really good job of, of, of checking out those guys. Right now he has – uh, Spiller, third round, the 82nd pick to the Falcons. So I will rejoice right. if that occurs. Right. And then Marv going 93 to the Giant or to the 49ers. And I, I, if he falls to 93, I'd be surprised. That'd be a really good pickup for San Francisco and the style they play defensively. Um, I think the key for Spillers, I, I do think Brees Hall from Iowa State is probably the first back off the board. Then if, if when Brees Hall gets off the board as Spiller, I think he's kind of the consensus number two back in this mm-hmm. draft. Um, Probably the, the kind of what gives Brees Hall is the leg up is probably how efficient he is in the passing game. If you watched Iowa State and how Matt Campbell plays, they really use him a lot in the passing game and the screen game. So his game translates really well. And, and then once you see Brees Hall come off the board, I think it's when Isaiah Spiller's next. All right, NFL draft continues tonight from Las Vegas. Kenyon Green is already off the board. He went in the first round last night. 
15th pick overall to the Houston Texans. Perhaps we hear DeMarvin Leal's name today. Isaiah Spiller may go today. Maybe Michael Clemens in there today. More Aggie hopefuls in that NFL draft this evening from Vegas. Last night, also the weekend, got off to a great start. A nice Thursday start as baseball hit the diamond in Nashville and won the opening game of their series against Vanderbilt 5-1 to one over the Commodores. That is what we discuss on the other side of the break. It's a Friday from the south end zone of Kyle Field right here on The Zone. College Station just got a whole lot more comfortable, Aggies. Mizzen and Maine is known for making the world's best performance fabric dress shirt, but now they've got something comfortable for every hanger in your closet. Shop their workday and weekend clothing. That includes pants, polos, and pullovers at MizzenandMaine.com. Will and Tyler back with you on this Friday edition of Studio 12. And last night, A&M Baseball got their series in Nashville started against the Vanderbilt Commodores. And you're heading down the home stretch in the SEC season. Everything matters now. Something rides with every pitch. And the Aggies got it done last night, 5-1. to one. Over Vandy, A&M gets out to the lead in the series. And speaking of something riding on every pitch, uh, Nathan Detmer got the call to the mound to get it started this weekend series, and he got it done, quite frankly. And goes seven innings, gets the win. It's his third straight win over a top 25 team. Vanderbilt ranked in some polls, not in others. But uh, if you go by all the polls, technically it's Nathan Detmer's Third straight win over a top 25 opponent, and he was fantastic last night, going seven innings, shutting down the Commodores. He only allowed the run in the first inning, and then nothing in the run column the rest of the way. After it was over, he caught up with Media Relations Director Thomas Dick from Nashville. All righty, what was working for you today? Really everything. Uh, just not Some fastball command was a little iffy there at the start, but I caught myself. Everything was working good. I like that mound. That mound, I could, felt like I could push off really well. Everything was working. Um, and then uh, just talk about the uh, the clutch hitting you guys got behind you. Oh, yeah. That hitting has been rolling wrong. I love that. I love our hitters. I have so much trust in them. If I could just throw them zeros, I know they're going to pick me up. And then uh, just talk about Friday night battles in the SEC. Yeah, Friday night, like I've said before, it sets the tone for the whole weekend. And I'm glad we got that dub uh, under our belts. But job's not finished. Got to keep going. We know they're going to punch back, but we're going to be ready for them tomorrow. LTP Nathan Detmer dealing again, and the Aggies, you know, we only allow one run. The offense needs to do just enough. And for most of the game, they were doing just enough. And I I thought it was nice to see you put Jacob Polish into the game, throw the final two, and and relieve Nathan Detmer, and Polish does what he does. I mean, he's been great as of late. Uh, What he did against the Arkansas series, he he was named one of the national players of the week. The week, yeah. Yeah, He got two saves, just was brilliant against Arkansas. Then Polish backed it up with two great innings last night in relief of Nathan Detmer. But I like that you're up 3-1 to late in the game. You got Polish in. You feel good about everything. It's almost like, let's just go get our last six outs, and then when he gets done with the eighth, it's like, let's get our last three outs. But this offense just has no quit in them. They were kind of methodic throughout the rest of the night. Yeah. They weren't great, but look, they went out and got insurance in their final at bat, the top of the ninth. They put up two more and made that bottom of the ninth almost just near impossible for Vanderbilt. To try yeah, to that two-run ninth just really kind of felt like everybody could take a deep breath because I actually thought uh, Chris McVelvane Chris that threw for Vandy the starter – 
he was pretty good. I think he only gave up two yeah. runs and struck out seven, had a couple walks that came back to bite him there. Mm-hmm. But they really were able to get into the Vandy bullpen and make some hay. And then we, we ever tackle those two runs uh, like you did off Patrick Rowley in the ninth, who's been pretty good for Vanderbilt out of the bullpen all year long. I really thought that's when it just kind of let everybody take a deep breath, and then Polish, Polish comes in and goes one, two, three right there in the ninth and gets the outs. And um, like you said, I thought A and M offensively last night was it was kind of methodical. It was uh, it was kind of a slow start. Did get the run of the first, and took a little bit to get going again. Played those two in the uh, fifth and the sixth, but or you know Cole Kaler in the leadoff spot, another really good night. I thought Dylan Rock was able to get on base. He was over two, but drew kind of two key walks, and then. You get the RBs, RBIs out of Moss and Boast there in the middle part of the game, and we're able to really open it up. And that, that Boast RBI double to me was really kind of the, yeah. all right, we're, we're in control here. Let's mm-hmm. go get these three outs and take game one. Mm-hmm. And then if you watch the broadcast last night, they, they, they talked about it, and this is something Maggie hitters do time and time again. I mean, they're, so, they're tough outs because they won't go down. Yep. Uh, foul balls with two strikes. Innings aren't over lately with this offense. You get two outs, and you still have work to do. This, this team is starting to hit better with two outs. They hit pretty well with two strikes. Yeah. It makes them just so taxing on an opposing pitcher. I mean, it long at bats. You just face Jack Moss one time, yep. and you feel like you've exhausted everything you have. Yeah, and I thought that was the key to get McVell being out of the game is he threw 100 pitches through five, and yeah. he struck out it's seven. 37 but, in the first inning? Yeah, but through, right? I think it was yeah. 37, 38 in the first inning, and then had another big inning kind of right at the end, I think in the fourth or the fifth. And so that was kind of the, the difference is that it really ran his pitch count up. And unlike that for Nathan Detmer, I think the most pitches he threw in an inning may have been like 25. Mm-hmm. When he had a, ran a little bit of traffic in the first, first inning, and other than that, it was mm-hmm. – Pretty smooth sailing for Detmer, which I would say was his fifth straight, just really good start. I think this may have been his, his second best start yeah. of the year, probably. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, you'd be able to punch it in and get Palish in the back, who probably can go again on Sunday, yep. like like we saw last weekend against Arkansas. So, Keaton tonight is going to really good start out of Micah Dallas. If you could get the same, if you could replicate what you got last night into the night out of Micah Dallas, I think you would really take it. Who I thought pitched well against Arkansas on Saturday, just didn't have his best stuff, um, but kept A&M in the ball game, And then yeah. I think he's got a really good chance to hopefully rebound. Against the Vanderbilt team offensively that just, to me, doesn't threaten like they used to Yeah, we were kind of spots. talking about that, that before the show that, look, Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. You, yep. you play him in Nashville, you better buckle up. I mean, that's not going to be an easy 100%. series. But are they what we've seen in these recent years? I don't know. Maybe not quite. And what does that mean? Well, they're still a heck of a ball club. Maybe they're just not the elite Vanderbilt mm-hmm. that, that we've seen in the past few years. Yeah, they've got some really good pieces. You know, the Bradfield kick can really run. Oh, so like, don't good, get, let him on base. Him out. Don't yeah. let him get on base. If he's on base, he's on second base. Yeah, he's got like nobody's thrown him out all year. If you watch like Formula One, they have like the five green lights that start and they turn off. He's yeah. got like five green lights. <laughs> yeah. Like that guy can run. <laughs> Do they even give him a sign anymore? No. I just, hey, it's just one of those Enrique, like, you're on first base. Do what you do. Get over thumbs to second. Up, you know, thumbs up and, and yeah. go. So, yeah. you know, I think that's the key is is just limiting – anything on this pitching staff is limiting the leadoff runners. And I thought the A&M defense was really good last night. Made some really nice plays. So, you know, to get a, to, to knock around a guy like Chris McFelley, who was part of a combined no-hitter last weekend, and to chase him after five, it just really, to me, set up the, the end of the game there, especially after A&M went up 3-1 to one through six. It just, to me, it was like, all right, we're in a good spot. Those two runs in the ninth really made it even more insurance, made it feel really good. 
Yeah, Vanderbilt in their last series before A&M against Kentucky. Uh, Chris McIlvain, uh, he combined on a no-hitter. Yep, for Christian Little. uh, All that was wiped out immediately last night. First hitter of the game for the Aggies, Cole Kaler, goes deep. It was his first home run of the year. When the game was over, Thomas Dick also caught up with Cole Kaler. All righty, first uh, talk about that charge you had in the first inning. Yeah, yeah, it took long enough. Um, No, I just got a hanging slider and – Put a good swing on it. Just really <laughs> trying to trying to hit a ball in the left center field, and um, you know, got a hanging slider and did some damage to it. Working behind Nathan Detmer when he's got stuff yeah. rolling, it's a lot of fun. And that sinker was disgusting. And I was throwing a bowling ball up there. You know, they were just pounding it straight into the ground. So, I mean, that's a lot of fun to watch him. You know, do his thing out there. And then uh, just talk about how big. Uh, Winning game ones in the yeah, SEC are huge, huge. I mean, it just gives you the ultimate advantage, really, is what it feels like. And then you got Mikey Dallas going tomorrow. You feel like, you know, we got a chance to, you know, be ahead two nothing pretty easily. So, I mean, a lot of fun. You know, this is a good team we got playing over there. But um, you know, if we come out and handle business tomorrow, you know, Mike is going to be on top of his game, and you know, we're just going to continue being gritty at the plate. All righty, thanks and gig Yes, sir. So yeah, one batter in. It's one to nothing, Aggies. And it was Cole Kaler's first of the game, and he kind of laughed about it there with Thomas. You know, it's about time, he says. Yeah. But, uh, uh, so here's what it does. A&M with the 5-1 to one win over Vanderbilt last night. Two teams are going to play at 6 o'clock tonight up in Nashville. But in the West, uh, SEC West, Arkansas is 12-6 and six and in the lead. Auburn is 11-7, and seven, one game back of the Hawks. And then you have the Aggies entering today 11-8 and eight in the league, a game and a half back of Arkansas. LSU is in the mix. They're 10-8, and eight, half game back of the Aggies, two games back of division-leading Arkansas. And also it was significant last night that Alabama played and lost. They got walked yep. off in Columbia by South Carolina. So the Gamecocks beat the Crimson Tide, and Alabama now 9-10 and 10 in the West, three and a half back of Arkansas, two games back of A&M. So essentially, as we enter today, top three in the West, Arkansas 12-6, and six, Auburn 11-7 and seven a game back, A&M 11-8. A game and a half back, and another RPI boost. Tyler Warren Nolan shows the Aggies at thirteen. Did right you? Now. I, I missed this. I caught this on the broadcast last night. A and M has nine top twenty-five wins yeah. this year. I mean, that's what the Aggies don't. Uh, Miami has. Yeah, more? and Miami has the only team with more. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and that's. I mean, credit to Jim Schlossnagel's group for putting these pieces together in the right spots. Arkansas now has a little heat on them, which was not the case two yeah, weeks ago right. before they came. When they came to College Station, they were comfortable. They were quite comfortable. Yeah. You know, and, and like you said, well, that the win by South Carolina, who has really been scuffling, they're 20-20 twenty and, 20 and and really on the outside looking in for the postseason right now, to be honest. You know, this really gives the Aggies a chance now to, to – Get to kind of claw back into this race a little bit, kind of like they already have. But key series two, you got to watch is uh, Auburn goes to Tennessee this weekend, and Auburn took two out of three here. If the Aggies could somehow take two out of three out of Vanderbilt, see what Arkansas does this weekend uh, against Ole Miss. That's in Fayetteville, but Ole Miss is that's a talented team. They have not played well in league play, but um, it's a really talented bunch. Then see what the Aggies could do. It could be a race over the final you know two three weekends of SEC play. Yeah, and then even beyond that hunt for the west crown yep. and what you do in the league i th- i really think that if a&m wins tonight or if it's tomorrow basically yeah. if they win one more in nashville and take the series i think the next time you see all these ncaa tournament projections next week i think they'll show the aggies host i i would agree With uh, three series to play in the league i would I agree. think you're in a host spot that's I, what you're fighting for i think so too and i think for me 
what's interesting will be how this team treats the stretch run with Mississippi State mm-hmm. and Ole Miss looming, two teams when you originally looked at the schedule, you said, man, that is a really tough close. What a close, yeah. The preseason top five, at what point, the number one team in the country mm-hmm. in Ole Miss, the defending national champions in Mississippi State. Now it seems like, hey, we're all not only in the business of trying to maybe hunt down an SEC West crown, but it may be not against the team that we thought on paper we were going to play. So I think that will be the the kind of key to this whole thing is is how does A&M close the stretch run? But if you get the starts you get out of Nathan Detmer, then if Micah Dallas is on, I mean, you got to feel really good about where this team stands. And what the bullpen's done really over the last month has been really impressive. It was not the strong point of this team in February and early March, and it's really become a kind of an anchor point of this team and what they can do out of the bullpen and getting outs when needed. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M, they get it done last night over Vanderbilt 5-1. to one. The Aggies win it. And A&M and the Commodores tonight from Nashville at 6 o'clock, game two of the series. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll keep it on the diamond, but we'll talk softball as A&M is headed to Columbia, and they have a series tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday at Missouri. Discuss it on the other side of the break. It's Will and Tyler with you on the Friday edition of Studio 12, and it's coming to you from the south end zone of Kyle Field as always, and as always, it is right here. On the zone. Will and Tyler back with you. Friday edition, Studio 12. We discussed the NFL draft already. Kenyon Green, first round pick to the Houston Texans, number 15 overall. And then we're hoping to hear a few more names called for the Aggies today, rounds two and three of the NFL draft tonight in Vegas. Do we hear DeMarvin Leal? Do we hear Isaiah Spiller? Maybe Michael Clemens? More Aggies set to go in the NFL draft. Also talked baseball. A&M won last night over Vanderbilt 5-1. to one, And they take the opening game of that series and game two from Nashville tonight at 6 o'clock. Also tonight in Columbia, the one over in the western portion of the SEC. Now Mizzou is in the SEC East, but there's two Columbias we know in the SEC. But this one's Columbia, Missouri. Texas A&M softball is headed there to take on the Mizzou Tigers tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. And you're starting to see maybe a different outlook for Texas A&M softball than you would have had, let's say, eight to ten days ago. Uh, They were coming off a tough series a couple weekends ago at Tennessee. You had to come back home, and you were facing Alabama, top five team, best pitcher in the nation, yep. essentially. And you go and take two of three from Alabama at home. And then, as you guys mentioned, you guys were out there Wednesday at Davis Diamond for the Aggies' win over Lamar. You survived the potential RPI nuke, Yep, I think, as, as you guys or Matt Simon put it. Yep. You did beat Lamar, so you just – Joe Evans has always had confidence in her team. She likes this team and their capabilities. Mm-hmm. But I think they go to Missouri now with, I mean, just a tangible, visible, just, I should say, a tangible vision of what they could be Yep, a blueprint coming of how off to, that Alabama yeah, series. A now. blueprint of how to beat a yeah. ranked team. And that's and true how to finish. confidence yeah. when you see it. Because of what you did last week, and that's true confidence you go to Columbia, Missouri with. Yeah, and I think, too, the, to me, the more impressive win 
uh, you know, beating Alabama nine to one in five is awesome. It's the first time Alabama lost to an unranked team in five innings since like nineteen ninety seven. Hmm. It's a pretty pretty long time. We've gone through a couple presidents since then, so it's <laughs> been a little bit of a change. Some things have changed. The internet's you know big deal now, and um, I, I think the confidence of that six four win and how the Aggies had to close it with Alabama threatened late. And to be able to put that game away in a situation they had been in time and time again and not really seen a lot of success, they come through and get that win. And then, you know, Saturday being able to beat Alabama 9-1 to and really put an exclamation point on the weekend. And the Sunday game was great. And if A&M is facing any other pitcher in the country, maybe besides Montana Fouts, they probably find a way to win that game. Credit her for doing it. Uh, I mean, really just being the workhorse for Alabama in that game. The Aggies did a pretty nice job of keeping their bats at bay all weekend. Alabama only scored nine runs the whole weekend mm-hmm. and, you know, one four to two on Sunday. But Fouts was just really phenomenal down the stretch when the Aggies tried to threaten a couple times in the fifth, sixth, and seventh. She just shut the door. So, you know, take two out of three. Now you go to Columbia after getting by Lamar on Wednesday night. Uh, Missouri coming off a big series win at Kentucky. At Kentucky, Kentucky, a top 15 team. They took two out of three and won the two games they won by eight runs or more. In fact, they won the Friday game 13 to nothing. Uh, through a five-hit shutout. So uh, Missouri's a team that's been hot and cold. They started out 0-5 in the SEC. Um, key to me is for the Aggies is, is what they did last week is try to win game one. I think that team, that team played so much freer on Saturday when they had a 1-0 lead in the series. And Joe Evans has talked about a lot with us when we've talked you know, prior to games is this is a young team who's never had to manage playing in a series. You get a lot of these kids who play travel ball in high school. There is that doesn't exist. It's just tournament yeah. play mm-hmm. over and over again. So, how do you manage a series? How do you play in a series? How do you, you know, kind of take things, compartmentalize them, and move on? So, um, be really key to see what the Aggies can do. Pitching staff wise was really nice. What they did last weekend had a uh, .58 ERA against Alabama. Thought Grace Uribe, Emily Kennedy, and Mackenzie Herzog were really good, and then got some timely hits. And that it didn't all come from Haley Lee last weekend. Will it was Morgan Smith with a big three-run blast, Caden Baker with a big RBI single, Katie Dack with a home run and an RBI single. Even on Sunday in the loss, saw some different people, different players come through in big moments, and hopefully that carries over this weekend in Como. Yeah, and as you move along during the season, especially when you get to the postseason, you, you start to get, or you have to get those performances. Yep. That maybe you didn't expect. Uh, yep. You know, you're going to get it from Haley Lee. I mean, you you just understand that whether it's non-conference, conference, mm-hmm. or postseason, she's done it before. But you brought up a name there and a Katie Dack. Maybe she's starting to get more comfortable. Who has been A and M's? If you look at it on paper, their second best hitter in, hitter in SEC play mm-hmm. from the power and the RBI standpoint. And she went. She had a home run Wednesday too. She right? had a, yeah. she had a mammoth opposite field blast <laughs> on on Wednesday and. They found a way to get her bat. She is she caught the Wednesday game, looked really good. And here's the thing, Will, that impresses me about this freshman class. Emily Kennedy's seen some success now in the circle, which is awesome. Emily's got a lot of good stuff, going to be really good for a long time. Coco Woolley tied for second in the SEC in hits in conference play. That's really impressive for a freshman. Katie Dagg has hit five of her eight home runs and I think driven in over half of her runs from the RBI standpoint in SEC play. Does not happen very often. Your average, your numbers do not increase in conference play. You've got a group of, you know, a pair of freshmen that have done that. That's uh, That bodes well for this program long term. And then another name I'll throw at you. Now, she's a quiet person, very focused person individually in mm-hmm. Morgan Smith. And so it's almost like she can go out there, play well, and you may not notice it. But, yep. you know, it felt like she'd been hitting over 300 all season yep. long. And whether you notice it or not, 
Morgan Smith seems to be one of those key cog in the lineup that you will need in Columbia, Columbia, Missouri this weekend. You'll need her back at home against Arkansas yep. and on through the post. Her numbers are never going to blow you away. She's never going to, you know, Morgan's never, it's not an a, a elusive power hitter where she's going to hit a ton of home runs. But what she does, especially in, that, in the two spot now in the order, she, she is able to drive the ball the opposite field. She's a left-handed hitter. The other thing to do, she controls the bat really well and doesn't strike out a lot. And in fact, if you watch the at bat against my uh, Lexi Kilfoyle on Saturday night where she hits the three run blast to left, it was a 10 11 pitch at bat. Mm-hmm. And she actually insided out that pitch over the wall on left. It was a really nice piece of hitting that Morgan put together and has been really consistent all year long. And I think having her in the two spot the last couple of games has really been kind of a key for the, Aggie, uh, uh, the Aggies offensively. And we'll need it this weekend against a Missouri team who has some good pitching uh, and can score runs in bunches. We saw it last weekend against in Lexington. Mm-hmm. A&M in Columbia to take on the Missouri Tigers tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. Aggie softball with just two series in the SEC remaining. This one against Mizzou, and then next weekend they're at home against Arkansas. In between that, though, you got the doubleheader. Going to the down H. In Houston. Going to the yeah. H on, yeah. on uh, Wednesday. Got a little uh, – little uh, caravan going down there. I was going to say, I mean, there's got to be some barbecue. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna not, you know, an un- undisclosed location. We won't disturb it on air. Yeah, you know, right, we, don't, right. we don't want our fan club to come and, and stalk Matt down, you know, when he's doing his barbecue. <laughs> and Tom, I think Thomas Dick may come too, so, you know, that might, well, the posse may come. He could smell the barbecue from here, from down there in Houston. He said, he said I'm going I'm to, what time's the doubleheader start in Houston? Three. Three. I think we're planning to leave about 9.30. Yeah. Get to, uh, we have three potential destinations i'll lay them out blood brothers and bel-air uh-huh. truth barbecue which is uh kind of off memorial and then uh pit room pit rooms off richmond yeah. kind of in montrose that's our that's the three decisions we have to make i'm a high uh i'm a high value target for all three of those places i spent some money there <laughs> um so it's uh but that's what the and, and hey, that's a good that's could be two good wins for the Aggies. Houston's a top seventy five oh, RPI yeah. team. I mean, it's not an RPI nuke. <laughs> so, no, no, not, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, I know Kristen Vesley quite well from my time down there, and she runs a good program, and they've got a good team. So uh, it'll be good. Uh, this is a makeup game from a couple couple weeks ago, um, and actually will be a, a good midweek kind of close for the Aggies to get some games in against Houston, who's a good team. And like we said, it's not the RPI uh, two seventy seven that Lamar was. <laughs> so yeah. you'll have to hold your breath as much when you go down there. And play no doubt so it's three on the road missouri yes we two at houston and two then, at houston then you're home for arkansas against arkansas who's going to be the sec champs yeah i mean they're one i think pretty much one win away from locking it up maybe a win and a loss for alabama then locking it up mm-hmm. so um i you know credit to what courtney difel's done there so it's going to be an interesting uh, series next weekend with senior day and all that stuff going on but i you know i think if, if a&m's in position if they could at least get one if not two for missouri this weekend that really settles anything down about the postseason. I think you're locked in. Vice versa, if you get one in Missouri, one from Arkansas, I think you're in a really good place. Go play in the SEC tournament where it's wide open, mm-hmm. uh, and then get, get to regionals and see what happens. Yeah, because the RPI is going to be fine from here Yeah, on A&M's out. 35 right yeah. now. And, and like I said, a serious win over Missouri, who's 22, mm-hmm. uh, would do a lot of good for you. And Missouri's ranked, so the Aggies, the Aggies will play. Well, this is what's nuts. Every conference opponent they will play is ranked. Who has faced a schedule like that in any sport? Anywhere. Anywhere. I, I I've mean, watched a lot of college softball in my life. I've never seen that you in this league. Pac-12 is good. But yeah. nobody, no, I bet ACC nobody's out there is, is probably is decent. Yeah. yeah, Big and 12, SEC, not so much. Yeah, you get all these ranked teams in the SEC, but I bet nobody's ever had to 
face all I told, ranked? I told Matt this on the broadcast the other night. We were talking, kind of going through RPI stuff. OU is we know is the master class in softball right now. Number one team in the country. Avoid that region. Avoid that region <laughs> at all costs. <laughs> uh, they have, I believe it is, one more top 50 RPI win than the Aggies have. Because <laughs> they're in the reverse. That. They have to go out and play so many teams right. in the non-conference play mm-hmm. because the Big 12 minus Texas and Oklahoma State. There's really not any oomph to their schedule down the stretch. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So that's kind of – I mean, you think, you know, you can look at the A&M record and go, that's ah, not as good as you would want it to be. Their quality of wins are really good, mm-hmm. including over Western Kentucky, who beat Alabama on Wednesday night. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, also one more note, uh, SEC tournament in Gainesville this year. Correct. Right? Yeah. So. Starts May 10th, I believe. Mm-hmm. So road Missouri, road doubleheader during the midweek at Houston. Home against Arkansas in a series next weekend at Davis Diamond. Then it's off to the SEC tournament all before Selection Day for Texas A&M softball. But the matter at hand is the Mizzou Tigers tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday from Columbia. When we come back, we'll wrap up this edition of Studio 12. Will and Tyler with you on the Friday edition, taking you into the weekend. And it is right here on The Zone. Welcome back. Taking you to the top of the hour. Taking you into the weekend at Studio 12 on a Friday. And only one home event for Texas A&M Athletics here in College Station over the weekend. And that is your track and field squad hosting the alumni muster at EB Cushing Stadium tomorrow. Essentially, it's going to run all day, but uh, a lot of the heavy action finals Things like that are going to start toward the evening yep. at E.B. Cushing Stadium. Got to talk to Javen Reed of uh, Women's Track and Field on our show Wednesday. Just an excellent conversation. And also we got to re-mention that she brought bacon. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Everybody. We should have every guest bring bacon or, right. a, or a token of uh, a token to enter the studio. Yeah, well, we're also got get scheduling-wise, we have to make sure we schedule all guests just after they're finishing up at the Slocum Nutrition Center. To bring it with them. And that's why Javen uh, came with, it, with the <laughs> bacon, and we appreciate that from her. E.B. Cushing Stadium, the alumni muster all day tomorrow. Heavy action starts up in the evening. It's the final home meet for Texas A&M track and field. Then they're off to the SEC championships. Then it's NCAA regionals. And then it's NCAA championships all down its own home stretch here in the outdoor season. Also, we learned earlier this week that women's golf, they are the number three seed in the Franklin, Tennessee regional uh, up there near Nashville. Uh, Garrett Chadwell and his team getting into the regionals in his first year. Uh, they get the Franklin, Tennessee assignment as the number three seed. And then it's coming up pretty soon here. We're going to know destinations for the postseason for a lot of Aggie yep. teams. Men's golf, they select the field next week. And then men's and women's tennis yep. on Monday. Find out their field of 64 for the NCAA tournament. Quite frankly, we know where the women are playing. Yep, It's going to be right there at the Mitchell Center because the season they had – I don't know if there's enough superlatives we can place on it at this point. Just unreal. And they, you know, Mark Weaver named it SEC Coach of the Year on Wednesday, and then four other Aggies named the All-Commerce team. Just an incredible run. They will host the Mitchell Tennis Center. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Also ranked number one for the first time yeah. in the USTA poll, not the ITA rankings, but the USTA poll. So that's really cool to see. And so they'll they'll be back in action this week or next weekend uh, at uh, – at Mitchell Tennis Center with what is now kind of a little bit of adjusted formats, two rounds, like a super regional yeah. after that. Mm-hmm. And then you go down to the, I think it's Illinois for the actual uh, championship mm-hmm. run to, to play the singles, doubles, and teams championships. Now, 
talked about golf. Coach Chadwell's group, they're going to Vanderbilt. I think a really good field for those guys. They're the three seed. Got to be the top four to advance. I think they're in a good spot there. You do have to work around the host institution, Vanderbilt, being there. They're the sixth seed. But other than that, when you get a really good group of teams, I believe it was. Let me pull it back up. I lost it. Uh, Wake Forest, Alabama, A&M, Duke, Oregon State, the top five seeds. A&M's in a pretty good spot. And when I talked to Coach Chowell, I think it was about a week ago, he, he kind of had circled Vanderbilt as like where he kind of wanted to go. Mm-hmm. It's a newly renovated course, and the Aggies got their wish. and um, Got a couple SEC opponents there, but uh, I think a really good field for those guys. And then, you know, the beauty of uh, next week for the Aggie men's golf team and Matt Corton's group, host that regional right here yeah. in uh, at Traditions yeah. in the middle of May. So they're going to know where they're going to go and have a good chance to hopefully advance top five go out of that uh, yeah. regional to go to Greyhawk in Arizona May 26th through the 30th, I believe. Yeah, so men's golf, they won at Traditions with the Ag Invitational yep. back in early April and then made a good showing in the SEC Championship, yeah. second in stroke play. Got to the semifinals sure. where they edged out by Florida. And I tell people this all the time: if if you can go watch a men's golf regional at uh, like a place like the Traditions, or you know, there's there's a lot of other good places hosting this year. Wherever you are, go out and watch them. And I and same if like NCAA golf championship, watch them on TV because those guys are going to be in the PGA really soon. I told somebody the other day I walked with a group one time in Fayetteville in 2019 at the Blessings where Arkansas hosted. Six of those guys in the group, or nine of the guys in the group that were in the first three off, six of them play in the PGA Tour right now. Yeah, Matt Wolf, Victor Hovland, mm-hmm. Colin Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler. I mean, these guys who have – two of those guys have won majors, I mean, mm-hmm. and recently. Mm-hmm. Go out and watch it. It is incredible what some of these guys can do um, and they, how quickly they can get on the scene really fast to make an impact. So um, be a lot of good talent here in College Station in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, if you just think about that regional, that tradition. Yep. The women's tennis, uh, women's first tennis, and second round regional. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, and and just women's tennis. That, so they go thirty and one overall. Yep, they sweep through the SEC in the regular season, thirteen and zero to win that crown. They sweep through the SEC in the championships in the tournament to win that crown. So a clean sixteen and zero sweep of the SEC season Unreal. for women's tennis. And remember, you know, the thirty and one overall. As we just got a few seconds left here, the loss was controversial. Yeah, it's not out of the question. You could be talking about a thirty-one and O team heading into the and, NCAA, and who didn't look, did not have a very many close matches in SEC play. Yeah. I mean, I think two or th- maybe there was one four to three match mm-hmm. looped in there, maybe on the road at Ole Miss. I think is yeah. what it was. After that, they were kind of blowouts. Yeah, fun to watch. So, men's golf, women's tennis. They're going to host NCAA regionals coming up. Women's golf knows that they're heading to Franklin, Tennessee for the regionals. And then men's tennis, they will be on the road for the NCAA tournament, and they will know Monday their destination. All right, TP, have a good weekend. You too, Will. All right, we'll see you all back here next week on Wednesday on Studio 12 on The Zone. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.